I know winter is upon us, the seasons are changing, and I'm already looking forward to in six to ten months here in Southwest Michigan of spring arriving soon, <laughs> I hear. Anyway, um, but I love springtime, and so our story this morning is going to be set in the spring. It's in Mark chapter six. So if you want to take your Bible with me, Mark chapter six, and we're going to read um, a few verses here this morning in Mark chapter six, starting in verse 30. Mark 6.30. You can turn your phones there too, or your Bible, whatever you've brought here this morning. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. And Jesus always has compassion, right? He's always there to listen to us. He's always there to teach us when we need it. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he, Jesus, began teaching them many things. Now, by this time, it was late in the day. So the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. It's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countrysides and villages and buy themselves something to eat. They they said to him, that would take, oh, sorry, but he, Jesus, sorry, verse 37, but he, Jesus, answered and said, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages, like 200 denarii. Denarii, are we to go and spend that much on bread and give them something to eat? 38, how many baguette de France's do you have, he said. I'm just making sure you're listening. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties and taking the loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven Jesus gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave to them, them to his disciples to distribute to the people, and he also divided the two fish among them all. And they ate, and they were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten that day was 5,000. And Jesus always picks up the broken pieces, right? But... Usually this is the breaking point of the story, but more happened that day. There was more. So we're going to read a few more verses and then we'll, we'll talk about this story. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him into Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up to the mountainside to pray. And later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake. And he, Jesus, was alone on land, and he saw his disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. It was a big storm. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost, and they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. Now catch this, verse 52. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. The NAB renders it, they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves. And the King James says, for they had not considered the miracle of the loaves. 
And often, church, sometimes I think that we do not understand the miracles Jesus wants to do in our midst. We've missed it sometimes, church. Right? And so, so it's hard to receive the miracles God has for us when we miss it. Now, we're going to look back with me to the very beginning. Let's think about this, this story that we're talking about. And it starts out with Jesus and his disciples, and they're sitting around, and the disciples had just been on a missionary trip, a ministry trip. Jesus had given them the power to, to get rid of demons, cast out demons, to heal people, to teach about the kingdom of God. And they have all just come back, and they're just meeting and hearing each other's stories and hearing what God has done through them. They're talking about this and God, Jesus is giving them instruction also on the things probably they didn't do as well or they did do as well, some of those things. And, and they rec- Jesus recognized there that they were really tired. So he said, we're going to go across the other side and we're going to go have a little break. And in that moment, Jesus was just talking to his 12 guys, right? He, they were just sitting there talking to 12 guys and something happened. The crowd caught wind of this, that they were going to go to the other side, Right? And this was before Facebook, before Twitter, before we had cell phones and news stations, for my high schoolers, before Snapchat. Imagine that. I don't know if you could, but um, before this mass communication systems that we have in place now, a crowd heard that Jesus was going to the other side of the lake and his disciples, and they went across and they beat them there. And this huge crowd formed. In fact, there were so many, it says the Bible says there was 5,000 men. And in case you were wondering, yes, there were women and children there too, but that's how they counted things back in the day. They said, that's a man, there's some maybe women and children with him. But historians and theologians, they tell us there was between ten to 20,000 people on the mountainside that day. That's a big crowd, right? A huge crowd. And I've been in some big crowds. I think about the Camporee, there's about 60,000 people there. But anytime you'd be in these crowds of 20,000 people, that's a lot, um, many, some of you may have run, a, run races before, and I ran a half um, marathon a few years back, and there was this huge crowd, and I remember the whole first mile running, you had to go the pace of the crowd. You couldn't go faster, you couldn't go slower, because there's such a big crowd just pushing you on. So imagine with me a time you've been in a crowd that big. I know now we're, um, with the things of social distancing, this church isn't, doesn't feel very crowded, but when it was packed full, it would be like seven times this sanctuary. It's a big crowd of people. Now, the scripture says Jesus had compassion on the people and started teaching and started healing them. And when Jesus started teaching, it often lasted a while. The disciples had been with Jesus for a little bit. Now, this is just coming up on his third Passover. So the disciples knew that when Jesus started teaching, it was going to be a minute. Jesus had compassion and he saw these, these people and he healed them. And the people... People were so excited and they were amazed. They were hearing things they'd never heard before and they were being physically healed. And whether they were hungry or not, I imagined that they were staying. So the disciples said, hey, Jesus, it's getting late, right? We got to go get something to eat. And, and what does Jesus say? How does he answer? Exactly. And we know he's about to do this huge miracle. And I don't know what you're going through in your life today. Maybe you need something big in your life today. Maybe God has a miracle in store for you today. And maybe you're wondering, does he still do miracles like that today? But look how he answers. 
the text says, Jesus said, you give them something to eat. And often when Jesus says that to us, we give excuses. I know I am the first one to give excuses. And both in our lives, and we see in the text, the lives of the disciples, they said, Jesus, have you seen the size of this crowd? I mean, we give them something to eat? We can't do that. Where in the world do we get that? That would cost half a year's wages. I mean, do you know how much that costs, God? And you don't think the God of the universe knows how much that costs, right? <laughs> and we do that. We say, I can't do it. I'm too scared. It's too much. I don't know if I can ever possibly imagine that. Um, would God be there to help me? And these are our excuses. And my friends, if we're going to be a community of love on the move here in Berrien Springs, Michigan, and across the globe, we need to get rid of our excuses. We need to let Christ do the miracles when they seem impossible. Because that's when he does miracles. He starts with the impossible. Now, in the Desire of Ages, page 369, Ellen White talks about this story. And there's an amazing quote here. She writes this. Like Andrew, looking upon the five barley loaves and the two little fish, we exclaim, what are they among so many? Often we hesitate, unwilling to give all that we have, fearing to spend and to be spent for others. But Jesus has bidden us, give ye them to eat, and his command is a promise. And behind it is the same power that fed the multitude beside the sea. It's never about what we can't do. It's always about what God can do. Like God does not, his greatness doesn't match our limitations. And he wants to do something through each one of us. So he asks us to bring this little thing and he will multiply it. So Jesus says to his disciples, you give them something to eat. What do you have? Go find out. Now, Jesus asked the same question to me when I was 17 years old. He said, Lindsay, what do you have to give me? And I was before I had any degree. I didn't even have a high school degree then. I was still in high school. And um, I said, I don't have a job. I don't have money. I don't have a degree. What can I give you possibly, God? And he said to me, Lindsay, give me your time. Spend time with me. So I don't know if there's some of you out there right now that need to be reminded. We need to spend time with Jesus. I mean, he is the one who gives power and multiplies things in our lives when we need it. So spend time with him. And so, okay, back to the story. The disciples go into the crowd and they start looking for the food and they say, Jesus needs food. We're looking for food. We're going to try to, you know, set up a potluck line. I don't know, feed all these people. What we can do, how much do you have? Who has any food? And I don't know if it's just me. I don't know when you've read this story before. Have you ever thought, was there someone else in the crowd with food? That always runs in my mind. I mean, a size 15,000 people You don't think there's not one person besides the little boy with food there? I mean, I'll drive to the grocery store with my daughter, Ellie. She's three, if I had not already said that. And I'll bring food with me on the way to the car because she always needs food. So there wasn't one mom there that had crackers stuffed in her pocket. I don't know. But maybe all the snacks were gone that day because the day had waned. But maybe there were some who were holding out. And they were like looking at their one loaf of bread saying, this is not going to do much for this huge crowd. And we do this all the time when a need is presented to us. 
We say, ah, I only have one hour of time. It's not going to do much. I only have 10 more dollars to give. How far can that go? Maybe you're a college student and you say, I have this much debt and I have this much income. Should I really tithe? And, and man, tithing alone, like tithing is for you. I, mean, I know this is not the sermon today about tithing, but tithing is about equal sacrifice, not equal giving. It's a heart thing for us, not for God. He has enough last time I checked. So it's a way for us to give a little and see what God does. And when we hold back like that person who who held that one loaf of bread, they're forfeiting the potential of what God could do. So the disciples go around, they're asking for food and, and he respond and, and who responds but this one little boy. And when he's asked, he brings all that he has. He says, I don't have much. I have five barley loaves. I have two fish. Jesus can have them. And these loaves were what the common people ate. They weren't a baguette sandwich, like we talked about earlier. They were, they were barley loaf and bread, and the, or uh, barley loaves of bread and some fish. And the fish were potentially like a side. It was like a relish, um, something pickled or dried. And they went together with the bread. And the boy says, you can have this. And my question, who probably made the lunch for him? Potentially his mom. In the home I grew up in, my dad and mom cooked. But back then, the dad may have caught the fish and the mom probably prepared it for him and sent it with him. So I'm, I'm here to tell you, God takes this little boy's lunch. We counted 5,000. The Bible records 5,000 men counted. The little boy wasn't even counted in the number. And sometimes you're uncounted and you're overlooked but God will take what you have and he will do big things with it. So we just need to be faithful with the little things day to day. So I don't know what you're doing in your day to day. I mean, you may be, you have infants changing diapers in the middle of the night. You may be taking your kids to school or to online school and working with them there while you're juggling work and your balance of home life. And things may be crazy. You may be grading tons and tons of papers as a teacher and looking online with your online kids and make sure your in-person kids are okay and everyone's masked and healthy. You may be a student and you may be doing papers, getting ready for your tests and doing homework. But the little things in our lives count. They matter. You may not feel like God sees them, but he does. So do the little things faithfully. So back in the disciples, they come back from roaming the crowds with just this little amount. And sometimes God will send us on these little faith errands, just like Jesus did. Jesus knew what he was going to do there, that miracle. The disciples didn't, and, but they still went on this, this faith journey. He was testing them. And they bring back this basket, this loaves of fish. And I imagine they look at each other on their faces like, there's 13 of us. How far is this going to go? Just at least us only. Would that feed anyone else? No. But Jesus is just looking for a little bit to work with so that he can enlarge it. Because he cannot multiply what we don't identify. Like he can't unless we give it. So bring the little things, do the little things because they count and they can be multiplied and we can see huge results. And this is what love on the move is. This is what being an active, loving community is in our midst. 
So here comes the miracle. You know it well. Jesus takes the five loaves, takes the two fish, and he gives thanks. And what are the little things in your life today that you need to give thanks for? Maybe you've been overlooking saying thank you to God for those. How much would change in our personal lives if we stopped and just gave thanks for the tiny little things? And scripture tells us Jesus blessed the lunch before it was multiplied, and then he broke it. And often we talk about brokenness. We know we live in a broken world. You don't have to look far on the news, anywhere really. Um, Our family can be broken. Our lives are broken. We have broken marriages and things are broken around us and in us. But when Jesus breaks the bread, the illustration that day is not about us and our brokenness. He isn't talking about what's broken in people's lives. He's talking about his brokenness. He's talking about him coming to earth as the bread of life to be broken, his body broken for us so that we don't need to be broken anymore. So he, and God came, he came to give us a life that we, that we can live with him in eternity forever. And Jesus gave up so much. Sometimes we don't, I don't always think about how much he gave up. He gave up being God. Like, I mean, he still is God, but he gave up his omnipresence and he's, he's inhabited in his body. And he came and he died for us on a cross. He gave up all of that. And that's what he's talking about when he breaks the bread. He's the bread of life. So Jesus broke this bread and he gave it to his disciples to distribute to the people. And he divided the two fish among them and they ate and they were satisfied. Miracle of miracles. This huge crowd ate from this one little basket. Crazy. And I was, I was in Belize on a mission trip in high school and um, we had made this pot of beans. It was about for 50 people because we were at this little church in, the, in a Mayan village up in the jungle and we had brought this, this pot to feed uh, the crowd that was going to be there for church that day. And I don't remember what was spoken. I just remember that church got packed and then it got packed outside because it was 50 people inside. And then there was like 200 people all of a sudden looking through the windows and there's people just engulfing this church. There was a lot of people there. And we had made this pot of beans and, and it was sitting. So after church, we had potluck and, and we had this pot of beans sitting here and some fruit. And I was sitting with my friend that both of us had helped make this and people were going by in this line and they were just going by and kept getting food and kept getting food. And we kept looking at each other like, it's got to run out at some point. And we, they kept getting food and, kept, and everyone ate that day there. And we were just amazed. And we kept looking in like, there's more beans in there. It's just not going down. Like, what is going on? So I imagine in that moment, people ate. Jesus keeps breaking it and keeps giving it to his disciples to distribute. And they were satisfied. Now, this is oftentimes the stopping point, which we talked about. But we're going to keep going because the story doesn't end there. For Jesus, there was a lot of things going on in his life right there at that moment. Um, John the Baptist had just been beheaded, and I'm sure that was really hard on him and his disciples. Um, the crowd was there, and they wanted to crown him king and take him away and make him king to, to get rid of the Romans and to free themselves. That was on the crowd's mind a bit. And amidst this, Jesus was trying to teach his disciples because Jesus knew his time on earth was limited. 
right? He was trying to teach them to continue to be his followers and to spread his word throughout. So he dismisses the crowd and he sends the disciples across the lake to go pray. He just sends them across the lake and he goes to pray. Sorry, excuse me. And the disciples, they knew and experienced the miracles of Jesus, but they yet didn't yet fully know who Jesus was. They didn't know he was the Messiah, the anointed one. I don't think quite yet. So what happens next? They're caught in the middle of this storm. And the storm is up and they're, they're rowing and they can't get much farther and there's waves and there's wind. And there potentially was even some bread and fish in that boat with them from the miracle that Jesus just did. And they easily forgot just a few hours earlier who Christ was. And for us, we do the exact same thing sometimes. I know I do when storms in life hit, when we are tested, when it truly matters, what do we remember? Where do we turn to? And from the spot on the mountain, Jesus looks down and he sees his disciples and they're having trouble on the sea. And he sees them and he goes and he starts walking on the water just as Jesus alone can do through the storm, through the waves to go to his disciples, right? So there might be big storms in your life. There might be big storms personally. You don't have to look far in our world to see the big storms politically. We talked about revelation with Pastor Dwight and in our grow groups these last few months. And we know big things are here and things are only going to heat up from here, right? We're not, we're not slowing down, friends. And we need a place. We need to be a church to be a place that's different than out there. We need to be such a loving community that people look and say, hey, something's different inside there. Something's different in, in your heart. To genuinely love people, to teach them the things, the awesome truths we know, and then to introduce them to the awesome person we know, Jesus Christ. That's what love on the move can look like. That's what Jesus can do when we give him the things and he multiplies them, right? Right? So in closing, oh, there's one more verse we're going to look at. Um, Jesus gets to the boat and he says, it is I, ego and me. And not just like, hey, it's me, Jesus, I'm here. It's okay now. <laughs> not that. He says, it is I, meaning I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. I am the son of God. I'm here to deliver you for eternity. So I don't know what it is for you. It may be, what God is asking, what will you give for me, give me today? And it may be time. Maybe you've not been spending enough time and you know you need to again. Um, it may be finances, resources, or money. I know we have an awesome church and Renovate is almost there. But honestly, it may be your heart, right? That's what God asks ultimately for us. I, I want you to give me your heart. So give it. It might be for the first time. It might be again. Give it to him. Do the little things. Give the little thing that counts in God. We'll take it and he will multiply it. So there's a connect card. You can grab it online. Um, there's one question on there. What is God asking you to give today? There's also others if you want Bible studies or baptism. You may check those and you'll, we will contact you. Remember, the little things count. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for a community of believers here. God, we want to be your hands. We want to be your feet. 
We want to give the things you ask of us, Father. So take them and multiply them in our lives and make us a community that loves people well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.